Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now, this week saw Rangers win their 55th Scottish Premiership title, first title since 2011. Liverpool, PSG, Dortmund and Porto all made it through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. General news, which includes Germany manager Joachim Lowe leaving after the Euros in the summer. All of that and much more to come on this episode. But... I'm joined, as I always am, by Alex and Joe. Alex, you've been in school this week at college, sixth form, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. How's it been? A bit of a change. Very, very tiring. I mean, it's it's good to meet people again and actually have some um, physical interaction. But uh, yeah, I've been sleeping uh, very much since I've, I've been back. So, yeah. Last week for us, Joe, on online learning. Last day. Today, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, thank God. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, um, I'm gonna miss the Lions though. Yeah, and it it was a what was it? It was raining the other day, and that was the day where I would have said I don't mind doing online learning because I would not want to be in the rain whatsoever traveling. But no, I only in all about to walk back in that. Did you? Jeez. Oh, uh, did they? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, jeez. Right. All right, though I didn't. Oh, <laughs> good news. Oh, good news. Um, right. So yeah, it's let's. <laughs> Let's go into the football, starting off with the Premier League fixtures. Last weekend, the first fixture was Burnley versus Arsenal. Now, there was a controversial decision that we'll come on to, but the game overall, Alex, I think Arsenal dominated a bit more than Burnley. Yeah, not massively. I think, in the, especially in the second half, Burnley played the ball around quite well. I think it's the most attacking play I've seen from a Burnley side in, in quite a while. But ultimately, I think Arsenal created the better chances. They they um, caught Burnley on the counter-attack a couple of times and should and could have scored um, quite a few more. But ultimately, Burnley weren't as, as bad as people I think they are most of the time. And they even maybe uh, deserved the three points at some points of the game. But yeah, I think a one-all uh, at the final result is probably a fair result. Yeah, so uh, Arsenal scored through Aubameyang, who got his eighth goal in seven against the Clarets, which is ridiculous. Chris Wood got his 40th goal, but it was a bit jammy, wasn't it? Because I think it was Xhaka yeah. with the pass, and yeah, it, it took a deflection, yeah. a massive one, didn't it, virtually, uh, that went in. And then we'll go on to um, the decision now. Uh, so Kevin Friend, I believe, was the referee during this incident. Now, so the first thing that happened was Pepe's done it and then he's appealed for a handball on the first one which wasn't a penalty but then on the second one we can clearly see here that this is an obvious penalty and we've seen this is an obviously obvious penalty anyway but we've seen these being given all the time virtually uh, across this season so why is this one not been given and VAR's had a check over it well I, w- I was watching that and I think um, the main VAR guy that talks to all of the, the commentator and everything he said that he couldn't understand why it wasn't a penalty because other times in the season they weren't taken into consideration. Like, because in this one they said it wasn't a penalty because of the proximity of the the ball going to touch his arm, but they haven't taken proximity in, uh, into account in barely any of the you know, the penalties that have been given because of handball. So this time they just did, and I don't know why they did it because it is a clear penalty. His arm's not in a natural position, and the ball has just hit his arm. Um, not from that close, but it's close enough that he could move his arm away. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a penalty. I'm not sure why it wasn't given at all. They just can't get it right, can they? VR can't do something over and over again. 
If they make a decision one match, it'll be a different one the next match, depending yeah. on which ref you have. We said we said that uh, last week. We need a bit more consistency with VAR to put a bit more belief. And I think set rules. Yeah, um, and I know the handball rule's been changed, but it's July the first or something. There was another handball incident uh, this week that would have got given. Um, that wouldn't have got given. I think. Oh yeah, it was the Chiesa one yesterday uh, against AC Milan. That wouldn't have been given as a handball if it was after July the first. I think it is. Um, that wouldn't have been given. So. Yeah, the handball rules changing for the better, but yeah, another um, decision by VAR that's gone astray. Now the next game was Liverpool versus Fulham. Fulham surprisingly uh, getting their three, getting the three points. I don't know why I stumbled, uh, but yeah, it was a great performance uh, by Fulham. Uh, Liverpool yet again didn't look up to it. Worrying times again for Liverpool, would you say, Joe? They shouldn't be uh, losing to Fulham. What did we predict last week? We predicted that Liverpool would win 4-0, 2-1 or 3-0. And then it was just a bit of an uneventful game for Liverpool, really. Um, and I think they've definitely gone downhill quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't... Alex, it doesn't help that they've made... In that game, they made seven changes and three were at the back. So that doesn't help either, does it? Nah, you see every week uh, Jurgen Klopp complaining about his like defensive injuries and stuff, but he's the one that could be playing a set two pair of centre backs like Kabak or and Phillips and everything. But he keeps changing it uh, with new players coming in and then uh, people getting injured. And if he just stopped changing it a bit, then they might find a bit of consistency. But six in a row to lose at home and only score one goal, and with the class of opponent they played, is not very good either. Like it's just probably not acceptable like they lost one they lost two in a row and we were like fair enough they haven't lost at home for god knows how many years now but six i don't think is very acceptable and especially like it's burnley brighton and fulham in that six so yeah i don't know what's going on yeah uh, and all teams that i heard it in midweek all teams that they should be beaten yeah and i know you can but, talk about the injuries but surely they should have enough squad depth. I know they've got a massive amount of injuries, but that's when the squad depth comes and shows how good they are, surely. Yeah. Well, um, they bought two centre backs in January, and they like one's not playing, and then one just gets injured straight away. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Yeah, looking on the it's something a team of their size should be able to deal with. And I know it's a lot of injuries, but it's not like no one else has to deal with the possibility of injuries. They haven't been unfairly treated or anything. It's it's just unfortunate and they have to deal with it. But yeah. they, they tried to deal with it by bringing in two centre-backs and then one got injured and then the other one apparently is injured when they've signed him. But I think, the, did they finish the game? I thought they finished the game for some reason with three centre-backs on the pitch, but... I'm talking about Fabinho as a centre-back there, which I shouldn't really be mentioning. But it was like Reese Williams. I'm not sure if Nat Phillips was playing. Uh, and then Fabinho definitely came on. So, yeah, Fabinho's a lot better. And we'll come on to his performance in midweek. Uh, but looking on the Fulham sides of things, they've lost one in the last 10 Premier League games, which isn't bad. Uh, unbeaten in seven away games in the Premier League. But after all of that, um, Scott Parker gets asked after the game about his jacket. There was apparently a lot of people intrigued about uh, how his jacket um, was, how it was. And uh, yeah, a lot of press were just asking him random questions. 
but he thought it would have been good press. But uh, yeah, that brought, was brought up. So it could be his lucky jacket. Who knows? Um, but yeah, let's go on to the next game. Brighton versus Leicester City. 2-1 to Leicester City with Kalachi Iheanacho getting a goal. Daniel Armata getting the winning goal. And oh my days, I've forgotten the Leicester goal, uh, the Brighton goal scorer, Adam Milana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Milana scored uh, Brighton's goal, which was the opening goal. Um, but a good performance by Leicester. But Brighton deserved, I would say, maybe to get a point out of it as well. Maybe. Yeah, they played. They played decent football, and like to go to lose how they did with the Amati goal. I don't think it was um, very. I didn't represent the scoreline as as much as as, as well as they played. Uh, they they play good attacking football, but they they don't score. And sometimes if they don't do, like their defense isn't on lock, then they don't score and then they lose games. So that's going to be a very worrying for for Graham Potter. But it's a a, a massive win for for Leicester at this stage of the season with all the injuries they've got. Yeah, um, Leicester also did start twenty year old Sydney Tavares. Um, who played, I think his number was 46 in the game, something like that. Uh, and he was he, he had a decent performance. I think he got taken off in the second half. Um, but Daniel Armati got his second ever goal for Leicester. Um, his first coming four years ago, I think it was. Um, probably two years ago, I think it was. But yeah, um, Leicester get the three points at the Amex. Um, before we go on to the next game, did anybody hear Lacazette scream in the Burnley game? Yeah. Oh, like... <laughs> They all laughed at the end of the match of the day, I think. Yeah, they all, me. They all did an, uh, an impression of him. <laughs> the, Why did, did he scream? Ba- basically, I think... Injured. Was it Loughton Laut- just like went in and ta- tackled him? It was it was a Burnley player, I know it was. And then uh, he went to the floor and it's literally like he'd been shot in the leg. That's how much pain he sounded you, like you he was in. You could hear it. Yeah. It, they literally it's took... like three times. They didn't put the commentary on. You're going to do a soundbite of it already. I could get one on Twitter. Lacazette. Scream. We'll come on to Villa Wolves next after we've seen this. Yes. I think it's Villa Wolves. Oh, no. It's, you know. I'll just play the audio because we might get... <laughs> it's a world record, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was on match of the day. So the source that is BBC Sport, just in case we get copyrighted, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, it, they put the scream on. I don't know if you saw it on the thing, Joe, but they put like a screamometer up and uh, it was literally red for they the whole of it. Meter. Yeah, it was mad. Uh, but yeah, like, it was quite funny, to be honest, uh, taking the mic. But the next game was the Manchester Derby, where it finished, surprisingly, 2-0 to Manchester United. Um, that is their second... 20... 20... 20 I've forgotten the number. 22, 22 games unbeaten away for Manchester United. They end Manchester City's 28 unbeaten game run, uh, 21 wins straight. That all goes out the window. Uh, but City did recover and uh, managed to get back in the midweek. But it was an overall good performance. I think uh, we played probably some of our best foot defensive football. It really suited us playing on the counter as well with the pace of Daniel James, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, and then it also helps how Bruno got a penalty in the first two minutes uh, as Martial went down. Martial's had his critics, but I think that game, he was very good. Um, I think it was quite good organisation by United. Um, when we did break on the counter-attack, we seemed to get six players up the pitch rapid, 
like really rapid. Uh, I think it was Martial, Scott McTominay, Fred, Bruno, Dan James, um, and then I think something. And then we had Luke Shaw, of course, who got the second goal for us. Um, so yeah, a good defensive performance and a good performance overall. Um, not good for City though, but it was quite hard for them in the game, wasn't it, to break down the United team that was in such a defensive shape, wasn't it? Are you having difficulty not trying to bum like United at the moment? What? I'm just, what, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, it was so hard for them to break down such a good United side. Well, it was. Did to you watch Fendi, the match? You did play very well, and I think you deserved the win. Yeah. You were a very good side. It, it, we were very good defensively, though, considering we, that's a clean sheet as well that we've got against the team who I'm pretty sure have scored in the last 10 games, or 21 games. Uh which isn't too bad at all, um, considering they are 14 points ahead of everyone, or 11 now, I think it is. But yeah, uh, United get the three points. Uh, the next game was Spurs versus Crystal Palace. 4-1 to Spurs in the end. Harry Kane getting two, Gareth Bale getting two. Uh, you would have thought Palace would have done a bit better, considering they did get a draw against United in midweek, Alex. Um, but obviously, didn't come out with that result. Yeah, I think I think um, compared to Man United, I think with Harry Kane, Hyungman Son, and uh, Gareth Bale going forward, although they might not be as good as Man United's attack on paper, like counter attacking, I think they were more, like just too strong and pacey for the for the Crystal Palace defense and managed to break them down. Um, I saw Mourinho. Uh, uh, he said at halftime when they. Um, Equalised, they thought it really helped them because normally they go in one one nil at half time and sit back for the rest of the game and maybe uh, concede one late on. But yeah, he said he, he thought it was good that they conceded because they and obviously it was because they scored um, three more after it and Harry Kane was just uh, on fire as as well as Gareth Bale. But the I think it was the first Harry Cole uh, Harry Kane goal. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, his first goal, which was the third goal in the match, was an, was an absolute yeah. brilliant finish. I think it was a first-time shot as well. Um, but Joe, could we, we've seen the deadly duo of Son and Kane, but could this be another deadly duo? Or could we see a deadly trio with Gareth Bale joining the line? I think if you stick Kane with anybody, it's going to be pretty deadly. And um, with Bale in the mix as well, that attack is just nigh on unstoppable. And I think a lot of teams are going to struggle against it. Yeah. Do you reckon he'll start Bale in the next game, Alex? I think he has to. Like, the form he's on, he can't really stop playing him until he does stop scoring like we've seen sometimes this season. But, I mean, if, if the front three is working, I don't think he should uh, change it at all or maybe just change the the um, the play behind the attack and maybe go and Dombele, Lucas Moura or whatever he wants to go. Yeah, Lucas Moura was an outstanding player in that match. Of course, it is, I'll just check now, the London derby, uh, North London derby between Arsenal and Spurs. But it would be a good game, I would say, for Mourinho if he wants to sit back like he did in the uh, home fixture for Spurs uh, in earlier in the season. It worked then with a 2-0 victory, but he didn't play Bale then, and it could be totally different if he brings him on for the counter-attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, considering oh. how bad... Arsenal are defensively at the moment, anyway. Um, an impressive stat, uh, which I found off match of the day, I think it was a commentator said it, was Benteke's goal that got Palace uh, a goal against Spurs. That was the first time they scored since 2004 on Tottenham soil, and it was an Andrew Johnson getting that goal. 2004, since they last scored at Tottenham's ground. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a stat for you. The next game was Southampton versus Sheffield United. James Ward-Prowse uh, scored a penalty and Che Adams scored an absolute rocket, which went in the uh, top left. Um, we'll come on to well, we'll come on to him now, actually. Chris Wilder, his sources are saying today that he could leave uh, Sheffield United or he is set to leave the role as the manager of Sheffield United. Joe, they didn't get a win until January the 15th, I believe, this year. That's out of the whole season. Do you reckon it's time for him to go? I think now's too late almost to sack him. And if they're going to let him go, they might as well wait until after they're relegated and see how he does in the Champions League because it's almost a certainty that they are going down at this point. Yeah, Alex, what do you um, think of the sacking of Chris Wilder? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I agree with Joe. Like, he's they've already like they know they're going to get relegated. I don't think there's any way they're they're not going to at this point unless they go on some miraculous winning streak or something. But he's been probably their best manager in the last 20, 30 years. So I don't really get why you're going down to the championship and now you have to bring in another manager who has to work with the squad when you could have that manager who's been there. I don't know how many years. Is it like ten? Yeah, it, he, he's already got his squad and he goes down to the championship, maybe comes straight back up, maybe gets in the playoffs or something. But instead, you're bringing in a new manager who has to work two or three years to get the squad that he wants and then come back up. So it's, I think it's quite a big risk for him. Yeah, of course, he has proven that he can do it in lower leagues, such as the championship and League One, because he started off with them in League One. So surely you should have the faith with him so you can get them back up. But as we see time and time again, managers aren't given the time. He was given time, but when you get relegated, everybody really normally gets sacked, apart from Daniel Farker, like we've seen last season. But did he finish like ninth last year with a team that shouldn't be in the Premier League, never mind finishing (laughs) top half of the table? Yeah, I remember everyone was saying, imagine Messi. Uh, on a cold wet night Wednesday night at Bramall Lane in Sheffield uh, but yeah that won't happen uh, of course I think, I think Sheffield United are like 14 points adrift or something from yeah. uh, 19th place so it'll be tough for them to come back who do you reckon they will bring in? Um, I don't know I'd like to I know we see like a lot of former players now going to teams and building them up a bit but I don't know who they'll probably get Um. I did mention, just staying on the topic of managers, Neil Lennon was sacked the other week, which you spoke about. But I said to you, Alex, uh, on text, via text, uh, that Eddie Howe would be a good replacement for him, maybe. But do you reckon Eddie Howe would be a better replacement for Chris Wilder than Neil Lennon? I think I think he'd be better for a smaller team like Sheffield um, United because he's got even more experience than... Um, what's his name again? Uh, Eddie Howe. Oh, no, Neil the, the, oh, yeah. No, wait. The former Sheffield United manager. What, Chris name. Wilder? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris yeah, yeah, Wilder. Yeah. I think he's got even more experience. Like, he took Bournemouth from the um, from League Two to, and now they were, they were a Premier League staple. So, if they were going to bring anyone in, I think um, I would prefer um, Eddie Howe. So, that's just my opinion, though. They might have a different ethics of manager. Joe, do you reckon it was... Uh... One of the downfalls, you could say, was the fact that he didn't have fans in stadium in the stadium at uh, Bramall Lane because we saw it last season, didn't they? And it looked like they gave them that like, 12th man an extra push in the game, didn't it? Definitely. It almost seemed as like an advantage 
whenever they like played because their their fans just seemed to be so good and when they were at home they did a lot better. Um, but the moment they came back after uh, Project Restart, it all went. It everything hit the fan, and um, it's just been unfortunate that that hasn't been able to happen this season. Yep. Um, so out goes Chris Wilder. Well, as we said before, we'll see who comes in. Uh, the next game was Manchester City versus Southampton. Now this wasn't at the weekend. This was uh, on Wednesday, Tuesday night, I believe. Uh, one of those. So uh, I think it was Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, they do go fourteen sure. points clear okay. at the top of the table. What were you going to say, Alex? I thought it was Wednesday. All right, we'll, we'll say we'll say Wednesday. Um, there's been that much football on. I said it to you, Alex, yesterday. There's been that much football on. I can't remember. Can't like, track. It, yeah, it's hard to keep track. Uh, but yeah, um, City did win five two. James Ward Prowse scored a penalty to equalise with City, uh, as Alex's dog barks in the background. <laughs> My dog was barking before, so it's completely fine. Um, Kevin De Bruyne getting two. Riyad Mahrez getting two. Iqbal Gundogan getting another getting another goal yet again, uh, and Che Adams getting a tap in. That was a poor defensive error in the end by. Uh, Man- Manchester City um, now there was another penalty situation that was in that game and it was the Phil Foden Alex McCarthy like we said the other one was a penalty with Eric Peters uh, and Pepe but this is definitely a penalty and how have they not how have they not like got to it because he's clearly not got the ball I don't know I think they're just, no, it's getting... just like yeah. you go first Alex I was going to say, like, I think they're just getting, not scared, but I don't think they want to make decisions that could possibly con- be like controversial and they just keep it like as not a penalty. I'm not sure what they're doing. It's just like Sport Bible have said in the in the caption of the image. It's, Phil Foden has been denied the clearest penalty I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I don't think there is a single argument you can make that's not that's not a penalty. And it is exactly as Alex has said that they're scared to make the controversial decisions, but that leads to them making wrong ones. And then in the ones where they're not scared of making controversial decisions, they'll make a controversial decision anyway by ruling a stupid penalty. Yeah. Um, Now, this leads me on to my next uh, point, which is this week the FA have said hearing referees' uh, audio for fans uh, may be valuable. Um, in the future. Now, should we be able to hear officials? As This is the first question, and then I'll ask another question. Joe, do you think we should be able to hear officials? I'm not sure. It's kind of like, to me, the ref should be someone you respect, and it's almost like an, another level to the fans. is higher up, and you shouldn't be able to, like... There should be that respect for him. And I'm not sure it's going to make it... Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to that respect if you can hear exactly what he's saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. We have seen it in a rugby union and rugby league that there are two examples which shows it does uh, work. But as we know, football's more of a high-tempo game uh, and it gets like things get caught in different moments rather than rugby does. Uh, the majority of the time, but the officiating, I think, Alex, what do you think? Should we be able to hear officials? I think we should, because like, even if we don't think they made the right decision, we'd at least be able to hear firsthand 
their their like reasoning towards it not being what we think it should be. So although we don't agree with them, we can maybe see a bit more why they have decided not to maybe give a penalty or a red card or whatever it is. Would would you say that uh, the fans will get off uh, the referees back after the controversial decisions that they've made? Uh, or would they still go at the go at the referee even though they can hear him? I think it'd be a fifty-fifty. Like they might be more respectful and like see why he's made the decision, or they might be like, "You have just been very, very stupid." Yeah. And even what you've said doesn't help the fact that that was a clear penalty. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Will they put it on a speaker or something like they do in do, do they do it in the rugby or is it just for the I, think, TV? I think they do it on the rugby. I think they they'll have a microphone and um, that audio will be recorded and laid over the footage put to the televisions. I think they have to be very careful on this with the FA. I think uh, because referees do say things and stuff in games, uh, not all the time, but certain occasions you might see the odd referee. Like we saw the other week, a referee squaring up in the Ipswich Town game um, to Matt Judge, I think it was. But I think the FA need to, so they, like you said, Joe. So when the VAR checks on, that's when they let, um, that's when they tune in basically to the referee. I think that's the way they should do it, rather than just having it over the whole game because you might as well not have it, should you? Um. So when when they are checking, what's going to happen if the referee has just made a poor decision? He's going to get absolutely slated for everything he says. So he'd be like. Oh yeah, but his foot's behind the line, so we um we shouldn't give it or something, and then he's just going to get destroyed in the media, anyway, and it almost makes it worse if they do make a poor decision, but at least you can tell that every step of the way he has been on the way to make a poor decision, rather than um what could happen where we're like. Yeah, okay, I see where he's coming from, but I still disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was that a voice? I just, my voice just stopped working. Uh, right, let's go on to the next game, Villa versus Wolves. Joe, it was nil-nil in the end. You hit the bar, I believe, three times, twice in the first half. Oh, no, twice in the first half and once in the second half. I know Connor Cody hit the post in the second half for Wolves, but how did you see the game? Did you felt you should have got the win? It was so frustrating. Just seeing us over and over again taking shots and hitting a post, hitting a bar or just veering wide of the goal. I'm not, I I'm not sure how many shots on target we actually had. It was pretty low for the amount of actual shots we had. And it was crazy to see how um, unsurgical we are, if that's a word. I know uh, Morgan, needs to be better. Morgan Sanson did start for Villa and I don't know if that was his first start. I'm not sure if he played the game before. Um, but do you reckon he it just... Start. Yeah. Do you reckon he just adds um, a different element into that midfield? Yeah, definitely. I don't think we're lacking for midfield options and I don't think we ever were. But he does add something different. It's something we don't... We didn't seem to have much of and um, not in a bad way. Like, I don't think we were lacking anything. He has just added something extra. Yeah, you had, you had He's nine added the shots. To the <laughs> you had nine shots and you had uh, one on target. 
which is not not really. Yeah, what which you is want. poor. I think uh, Esri Konza should have probably scored that uh, goal. That I, th- I think it hit the crossbar, but I think him or Watkins. I think that well, Watkins' uh, shot was from out of range. I think, uh, but yeah, Konza for me probably should have scored that goal. Uh, but looking on the Wolves side of things, Alex, I think they sit 14th now in the Premier League um, under Nuno still. Do you reckon when Jimenez comes back, he'll add a different element? Because we have seen with... Oh, my... Uh, the William Jose, sorry. We have seen with him, his movement's not as good. And when he gets the ball, he just lays off a bit rather than what Jimenez would do and make a run in behind. So do you reckon they are missing that big man up front with yeah, the movement? Yeah, he- He's nowhere near the strike, like the Premier League quality striker that uh, Raul Jimenez is. Uh, and when he does come back, as you've said, that he'll add a, another d- dimension to their style of play. Like they're playing decent, good football, but like there's apart from William Jose, who's not the he's quite static in the box, and um, he doesn't really offer anything to the to the wingers, which is why they've been relying on Pedro Neto Podence to uh, to score most of their goals recently. So they'll be desperately wanting Jimenez to come back um, and maybe they can start scoring goals is probably the most because they, they've scored the odd one or two in games, but they haven't really scored um, as many as they would with Jimenez. And I think that's one of the main reasons they're not winning as many games as they would have last season and the season before. Yeah. Now going on to the Scottish Premiership. And like I said at the start of the show, Rangers won their 55th Premiership Scottish Premiership title. It's a big win for them. Of course, they did win 3-0 on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, Celtic had to beat Dundee United. And it was a 0-0 draw in the end. Um, I mean, Rangers have come a long way, haven't they? From the last 10 years, they were nearly in liquidation. Of course, they went to the bottom of uh, the Scottish uh, pyramid. And they've come all the way back up, Alex. Um, What does it show about Rangers as a club? Well, it shows that they are still a big club. They're on the same level as Celtic, even though they haven't showed it in, in previous seasons. But I think Steven Gerrard, I don't, I, don't, I don't like him at all as a person. I think as a manager, he's done so much for the club in bringing in players and changing their style of play, changing the, the whole club's mentality and being able to, to win. They have been uh, helped along the way with Celtic not being in the best of form and their managers and the greatest at the moment. Um but yeah, they they've been sublime this season. Have they? They haven't lost a single game, have they? Uh, they've lost. I, th- I believe it was one they, game. I think. Yeah, that's they've not it. Lost one. Yeah. But it's it's just mad compared to to where they were. Like even five or six years ago, they weren't on this level like anywhere near. So. Joe, was it vital for um, Rangers to stop Celtic getting ten in a row? Uh, that is ten Scottish Premiership titles in a row, just for the fans' sake. Would you say? If they got 10 in a row, you'd never hear the end of it. It's like if Liverpool won three in a row, <laughs> would we hear Jason shut up about it? Probably not. <laughs> Every time you saw him, he's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? Well, we're playing, we're playing crap, what? What? And, and even like 20 years in the future, he'd still be saying it. And I think it's vital that um, Rangers have stop them in the tracks basically yeah of course it only is it is only March as well uh, which is really early considering really early for them to be crowned yeah uh, but it shows uh, 
you could say I've heard it this week the state that the Scottish Premiership's in, uh, as we know, a two two uh, team league or it was a one uh, team league a couple of years ago. Um, but Stephen Gerrard asked about uh, Liverpool job as you would, of course, the success he's had. He said the Liverpool fans don't want me to be the manager of their club. Club they want Jurgen Klopp to continue, and I'm totally with all of them. Would you say? Uh, Steven Gerrard will be up for contention if Klopp doesn't start winning a great streak of games. Of course, he did win in midweek, but would you say it's a right decision for Liverpool because he knows what they're all about, Alex? Um, I don't think Klopp will get sacked, even if he does like lose seven or eight at home because he's just t- done too much for the club. Like When he took over, they were seventh, eighth place side, and now they've won the Champions League, won the Premier League with him, so... I don't think he would be sacked, but if he was, I couldn't really see anyone else but Steven Gerrard with the qualifications he does now have. He's still in the Europa League with a club that shouldn't be in the Europa League, um, and he's just won the won the league with them. So he would be the the manager I would look if I was Liverpool to to bring in. But I don't think Klopp will get sacked anytime soon. Yep, Joe, do you agree with Alex? Do you reckon Klopp won't get sacked anytime soon? And do you think Stevie G would be the man to come in and do the right thing? Yeah, I think um, Klopp's done a lot for the club in the past few years and he's built them up so much. So I'm not sure he would get sacked anytime soon, but all it takes is for them to drop off next season, I think and he'll be out and they'll be getting someone else in. And Stevie G said he didn't want to, but I think if Liverpool gave him the chance, he'd definitely take it. Yeah, I've spoke to some Liverpool fans and they've all said Steven Gerrard is the successor of Jurgen Klopp. No matter what situation it is, no matter what year, Stevie G will be the successor of Jurgen Klopp. Um, So we'll have to see if that does happen in the future. Um, of course, they do play similar brands of football, both playing 4-3-3. Uh, I heard this week uh, Rangers don't press as much as Liverpool, which is quite hard because Liverpool press a lot. Um, so that would be the only step back. But I still think uh, Gerard could do a job there uh, if he was asked to and went into. Uh, now, going on to the Champions League, starting off with Juventus versus Porto. It was 3-2 in the end to Paul uh, to Juventus, where it was four all on aggregate, uh, but due to the away goals, that means Porto go through. Uh, of course, F- Feder- uh, Sergio Oliveira got a penalty in the 19th minute. Federico Chiesa got two vital goals, and then in 115th minute, uh, Oliveira scored a vital free kick, um, and then Adrian Rabio got really nothing much of a header. Um, this is the first time, Alex, since 2005 that Messi and Ronaldo haven't been in a quarter-final, which is absolutely mad, and we'll come on to that in a bit. But the Juventus performance wasn't terrible, but it wasn't enough in the end, was it? No, they got quite unlucky. Like I think the goals that they did concede, it was a penalty, and the free kick, there's not much you can do about it. Like the, I think it was Ronaldo that took his leg away, and then his, the ball went under his leg and went into the bottom corner with a questionable goalkeeping but ultimately they I don't they didn't do enough to score like they got into the situations um to score but then their end product just wasn't it I think Quadrado hit the bar they had a goal called a for offside um and on a different day they probably would have won it but because of circumstances and a very good defensive performance from Porto 
and Pepe at the back. Um, they do go through, but it was uh, one of the most exciting matches I've, I've probably watched in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Do you think... So, uh, Barcelona aren't in the um, semis either, are they? Quarters, no. 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 Um, do you think this shows sort of the end of the reign of Messi and Ronaldo? Alex? I think it's starting. Um, I think they'll have a good two or three years where they're still maybe one of the, the best two players in the world, even even though now you could probably argue that Mbappe and Haaland or even um, Phil Foden, maybe. I don't think Phil Foden's on their level, but soon I think he will be. Um, but you could argue that they're coming up to the level that Messi and Ronaldo are now, uh, which is, I wouldn't say worrying, but I think they're getting to their last legs and the new players are getting to their first legs. So I think if, if they don't, uh, one of them don't win it soon, I, I think it will be over quite quickly. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Alex. I do think that Haaland and Mbappe will be the next two, um, but I still don't think really? <laughs> I still don't think them two will be as good as the Messi and Ronaldo battle. I think we won't see anything like that in a very, very long time. Um, it was something like Haaland or Mbappe had to score fifteen goals every uh, a couple more matches or most games to get to the uh, goal scoring of Ronaldo, which is absolutely insane. Um, so. It, it's just those little things that you you know you're not going to see it again. But then this is a good rivalry in uh, in the meantime. So yeah, you can see it from both ways. All right. So staying with the Juventus performance now, Alex Andrea Perlo was brought into Juventus to eventually win the Champions League, and this is his first season in the Champions League with Juve under as a manager. Um, it's Meant to have bring in, not that, like we've seen with Juve in the past couple of years, they've brought in the marquee names. And this year they're bringing in more youth players and trying to develop them like we've seen with a Liverpool um, and similar style of playing away to Liverpool. But what do you reckon's not going right at the moment at Juve? Um, I think he's, I think it could be down to he's more focused on bringing youngsters in than their style of play at this point. Like he's, Although he is like taking into account that they need youngsters for the future, they also have players like Ronaldo, like Aaron Ramsey, even like the the older players that need just as much as attention as the younger players do. And I think it's that balance that he needs to work out. And as soon as he does that, I think they could be competing um, in Europe. But at, at this point, like he has only had what is it like six months in charge and. Um, you can't really expect the manager to, to be there for six months and win the Champions League unless they are uh, a very big manager. So, well, I mean, I, he could in time win, win the Champions League with them, but I'm not sure um, how long it will take. How long do you reckon it will take, Joe? Because they have got Ronaldo, of course, a big leader, but do you reckon he's enough for them at the moment? You can't just... Um, you can't sit back and let one player do all the work. Because even with a player like Ronaldo, they're going to have their off games. And maybe he can win one match on his own with just a little bit of support. But it's not something you re- you can really rely upon to win the Champions League. And he does need to bolster um, your Ronaldo's and more experienced players with some younglings and try and mix them in. So you do have a few a 
team fit for the future, but also a team that can perform well now. Uh, I think they'll be a very competitive team next season. I don't think they're going to win next season. But two or three seasons' times, I'll definitely be competing for the title. Um, so I think they are fourth or third in Syria. Uh, AC and Inter are above them by quite a bit, I think. Um, but do you think that the problem with the team is at the moment, like they've got great attacking outlets up front, don't get me wrong, but do you reckon the midfield and the defence is the problem? And a couple of Chesney mistakes, but not many, but do you reckon those are the key problems? Because they have brought Weston McKennion on a permanent deal, but do you reckon those are the two key areas, midfield and defence, to improve on? Yeah, they haven't they haven't changed in a while. I know they brought um, Delict in, and he hasn't really hit the ground running, but he can be a, a very good player in the future. But they've had the Benucci Cialini, uh, and they've only let Barzagli go recently. And they've been there like six or seven years, and they haven't really changed anything. And ultimately, if a club wants to develop, they need to um, change some of the players. So they, yeah, I think they do need to to work on maybe not buying like superstars to go in their defense, but buy some, some players that can just like fill in for some European games and then some league games and all of that. So. Yeah. Um, just some breaking news. Uh, Di Maria has signed a one year contract extension at PSG. Uh, so yeah, that keeps him uh, at PSG for another year. Um, we'll come on to PSG in a minute actually, but before that, We'll go on to the Tuesday, the other Tuesday game, which was Dortmund versus Sevilla. Now, uh, Holland scored twice again, and uh, Yusuf as as Naziri, sorry, scored for Sevilla twice as well, uh, coming in the 68th minute and the 96th minute from a header uh, from a corner, I believe it was. Um, but it was five four on aggregate. Drakken uh, Dortmund were got Drakken Dortmund were the better team over both legs because they were looking a bit dodgy in the first leg, weren't they? Yeah, I don't think that this season they haven't been very uh, convincing defensively, and that nearly let them down in this um, in this tie. Like they've been brilliant going forward. Haaland's got a few goals, uh, a lot of goals. Sorry, um, Sancho's got a lot of goals, and and Royce has got um, a lot of goal contributions as well. Um, but defensively, they just haven't been on it with the the new manager. They've sacked one of them, and um, yeah, it's just not really going well that well for them defensively. So. If they can uh, get some defensive reinf- uh, reinforcements before the new season, I think they can definitely push it. But this season, because defensively they're not at it, I think that'll let them down. And whoever they get next will probably <laughs> outscore them, which is pretty obvious. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dortmund do have a great team, um, but we'll have to see if they do go beyond the quarterfinals, which they have got uh, through to. The next game was PSG versus Barcelona. PSG were, drew one all in the game, actually, with Barca. But over two legs, it was 5-2 in the end after that 4-1 battering at the new Camp. Um, now, Mbappe becomes the youngest player to score 25 goals in the Champions League history. Can you guess who was before him? Messi. Nah. Nah. Well done, Alex. Did you hear that somewhere? He was on the same pitch as him, and he's just broken his record. So, But then Messi did score an absolute banger. Um, the way it just smashed it, and for some reason it just went in the top corner. Uh, but that's messy for you. I'm not gonna lie, I thought the only reason you're bringing this fact up was because it was Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I thought know. that was well, but I was thinking about it, and no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, 
So Mbappe got another goal, which was a penalty. And like Alex said before, Messi did miss a penalty, uh, which it wasn't really taken very well. And Keylor Navas looked like he was going to the left anyway. Um, but yeah, Barcelona crash out of the Champions League. Uh, they did look a bit better though, didn't they, Alex? Especially the organisation. Yeah, they looked a lot better than in the first leg. Um, they ultimately outclassed PSG, but their, their final product just wasn't at it. Um, I think Usman Dembele had a, six or seven brilliant chances and put none of them away. Same with Griezmann, and ultimately that's what's let them down. I think if Lionel Messi did score that penalty in the first half, then they might have had a chance, but ultimately he didn't and they couldn't find three in the in the second half. Yep, uh, Marquinhos and Kimpembe both throwing themselves at the shots from the Barca front three. Uh, the next game, and sorry, I forgot to mention, Barca don't go through to the quarterfinals for the first time in 14 years. It's like I said before, Messi and Ronaldo don't go through to the quarterfinals since 2005. But the next game was Liverpool versus RB Leipzig. That game took place in Budapest yet again. Uh, Liverpool got two goals in four minutes uh, with a Divock Origi pass to Sadio Mane for the second goal. And Mo Salah, I believed, scored the first goal. He did indeed. Um, but yeah, Liverpool go through comfortably. Uh, I think everybody thought when they were coming into the tie that they were going to get absolutely hammered. Um, but in the end, they didn't struggle. They, well, they didn't struggle, did they, as much? And everybody thought, oh, is you, uh, Julian Nagelsmann going to out-tactic uh, Jurgen Klopp? But in the, end, they, in the end, he didn't, Alex, did he? No, I thought Liverpool were, were much better, especially defensively. They didn't really... They limited Leipzig to, to many chances and then ultimately they played a lot more aggressive attacking football, which benefited them in the, the Leipzig defence. Although they, they were decent at times, they just went um, up to scratch against Liverpool and ultimately it's a, a very good win for them, 4-0 on aggregate. Yep. Joe, we saw the return of Fabinho, who got one of the match, and Diogo Jota. Uh, Jota, would you say he's vital for that front three considering how Firmino's been inconsistent this past couple of months and games? I think Jota's very consistent and he does bring that to the table. Um, I think if you put him on the pitch, he's going to make a difference no matter what. And I think that's something they need right now. Um, You said that everyone thought that Liverpool were going to get what what was the word used? You said they they were going to get trapped. Hammered. 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 I I thought they'd win this. I thought they'd win this convincingly, which they they did. To be fair to them, I think most people are thinking it because United at the time were first or second in the league, and they lost in the final game, which ended up going out of the Champions League. So they already beat an English team, and we see we saw what they did uh, in the last year in the semi-finals. Uh, well, they lost in the semi-finals against. Uh, no, no. What am I on about? Yeah, they lost. They lost in the semi-finals. Sorry, RB Leipzig did. Uh, but before that, they had a great run of games. Um, and Julian Nagelsmann was meant to be the next big manager, uh, which he is set to be. But I do think everybody thought they were going into the match because of how great Leipzig were. They were the second in the Bundesliga. They, they were only about two points off by Munich. So I think that could have been one of the reasons why me and most others uh, and other people even thought that Liverpool could have got hammered due to the recent form and their injuries. Yeah, OK. Um, so the next game was in the Europa League and it was Manchester United 1, AC Milan 1. I wouldn't say nothing happened in the first half, uh, but Rafael Leo got a goal disallowed 
um, and so did Franke Chiesa. Was that handball in your opinion, Alex? Um, I think so. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have got given, like I said before, after July the first. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was it was given in the end. It was a brilliant finish in the end. Um, Frankie Chiesa sort of looked like he was doing a Jack Grealish wearing the socks quite low. Um, but yeah, AC Milan definitely deserves to get a point. I, I'll, I'll say that now. Uh, United opened the scoring with Ahmed Diallo, or as he wants to be known, Ahmad, getting the first goal with a brilliant header uh, from Bruno Fernandes' pass. And then in the dying embers of the game, two minutes until uh, the game finished, I've added time. Uh, Kajar gets the winning header, which goes past Dean Henderson. Do you reckon he could have done a bit better, Alex? He, he, he definitely could have, but I mean, he's been very good the um, last few seasons. You can't really argue with that. Um, and I don't know whether De Gea would have done any better uh, either, but yeah, I, I don't think you can really blame him for it. Yeah, of course, De Gea is having a baby, so that's why he's had to go over to Spain, just in case anybody was wondering why De Gea didn't start in the last two games. Um, going on to the next game, uh, also in the Europa League, Slavia Prague, uh, Rangers won all in the end. Uh, Philip Hellendark getting the goal for Rangers in that tie. The next game was after that was Olympiakos versus Arsenal. Arsenal win 3-1 in the end with Martin Odegaard bullet in the first half. You said, said he should have done better with that uh, shot the goalkeeper Alex didn't you yeah it was a very good uh, shot a bit of a knuckleball I think it probably deceived the goalkeeper but yeah I think it was straight his hand so he probably could have done a bit better with it but I mean uh, with the with the circumstances and everything and he probably didn't expect Odegaard to, to shoot from that far out you can you can probably understand why he didn't save it yeah, Olympiakos did respond. Then Gabriel scored a brilliant header and then Elneny scored another long shot goal for Arsenal. Um, Joe, over the last couple of games, would you say Arsenal's mistakes that have led into goals with uh, Chris Wood getting his goal from a Xhaka incident uh, and a couple before that? And also there was another one, I believe. I've completely forgot it. Um, but do you reckon the defence needs tightening up and needed and talking to from Arteta because it's also it's almost like the goals are getting self-inflicted by themselves I think Arsenal have been struggling defensively for quite a while to be honest uh, we were saying it last season that Arsenal's defence is all over the place and I think it's kind of poor that it hasn't been sorted out by now yeah, um, this is what Arteta's had to say this week. Uh, I think this was after the game, but not straight after, but after like the following days. He said, I think this project is going to go bang. This is after he got asked the question about uh, the fans returning to the stadiums and after the coronavirus. Um, everything's really done, most of it anyway. Um, do you reckon it will, as Mikel Arteta said, bang, or do you reckon it will go downhill? Or will it just say the same, 11th? Tenth around that area in the table. It's going to go further than mid table. I can tell you that, but um, it's just seeing how far it can actually go. What about you, Alex? Will Arsenal go bang? Again, I think it's a 50 50. I think if the fans back Arteta like fully, I think they could maybe even straight, well, they'll probably get Europe, but maybe even scrape um, Champions League if they get the right signings done in the summer. But again, if they've not played that well this season and then if the fans don't really back him that much, I can't really see them improving dramatically, as, as he said. So, Yeah, 
Um, Spurs went 2-0 also in the Europa League against Dinamo Zagreb um, with Harry Kane getting those two goals. Um, in the Classia last weekend, uh, Bayern Munich won 4-2, Erling Haaland getting two goals yet again, uh, but Lewandowski replying with two of his own as well in the same game. Um, Thomas Tuchel has kept five, five clean sheets in his first five Premier League home games, which he is the first ever manager in Premier League history to do. Um, Joachim Lowe, of course, manager of Germany, is said that he has said that he's going to be um, stepping down from the managerial role at Germany in the summer. He's been there quite a long time, Alex. Would you say that's the right decision for him to go? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's probably just because their um, performance in the 2018 World Cup, like that, did they didn't they didn't get out of the um, the group stage, and then ultimately, like they're they, yeah, they they won the the World Cup the year before. So for a team to have that like fast of a decline, um, you can expect why why he was leaving. But he has done a lot for for Germany as a not a football club, a, a football team. Um, but I think uh, like a, a revive a revive of their their squad could um, do it a lot of good. Would you say it's a massive loss, Joe? Because of course he won the World Cup with them in 2014, um, and he's been like Alex said, an influential manager. Who, who would you want to bring in? And I know there's not very a lot of managers like high quality. Um, or would you go for a, a younger player, maybe uh, a player that's just come out of retirement, or maybe? Or what would you what would you think and be behind the Germany job? I think a younger a player that has just retired or is looking to retire would be a good uh, job role in the future because we we have we're waiting until twenty twenty two, um, so they have a couple of years to find one, but it's a lot of pressure and I think they're going to struggle to find someone with the quality that he had, but. No matter what you say about him, he did. He didn't qualify from the group stages in 2018, and that was poor from the side that he had. So um, yeah, I don't think it was surprising that he has stepped down. Yeah, I think um, it'll depend on his performance as well uh, in the Euros this summer, of course. Um, but Alex, is this just a ridiculous question, or could Julian Julian Nagelsmann? come in and manage this Germany team or would you say that's a bit of a waste of a career for him? Uh, he could but I don't think there's any way he can progress with a, with being a, um, a coach of a national team like you could maybe win a trophy there but you're never going to like if he's the manager of Leipzig he can make the team into an alright team to a team that are um, competing for the Champions League so that's that progression in his career as a manager but you don't really get that in, in national um teams so stuff like that so I think it'd be a step down for him but for Germany it might be a, a very good new manager for them but I, I'd like to see them go for someone like maybe like Michael Ballack or Bastian Schweinsteig or someone like that um, like we've seen a lot of teams do now um, with Ronald Koeman going wait was he Belgium? Uh, no he was um, Dutch wasn't he? Not oh yeah um, but yeah yeah, yeah, I know, I know where you're coming from. Um, Mark Noble has announced that his final year, final season for West Ham will be in the 2021-22 season. Uh, 18 years at the club that is West Ham. He will be missed um, surely above the Hammers fans, won't he, Joe? Yeah, I think it's a big loss for, for everyone. It's... Um... Died. Hmm? 
<laughs> no, no, but he's a bit. He's a big loss for Moran. It's, it's like. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I know. Um, emo- emotional? No. I, the word will come to me. I think emotional probably might have been the right word, actually, Joe. Is it Amers? Sure, Valley. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, let's just go with emotional. Yeah, uh, Alex, will he be missed around the club? Of course, 18 years is a long time. Um, and who would step up to the plate? Would you see Declan Rice maybe become the new captain? Yeah, they seem like a, a similar type of player. Like They just really love West Ham and they're in that defensive midfield role, just controlling the play. And I mean, um, Mark Noble's been there through the bad times, through the good times for them. And to see Declan Rice come into this squad that's really young, that's propelling even for Europe this season is really good for them. So, yeah, he's a a very good replacement for him. Yep. Uh, Now, the FA Chief has called on social medias to introduce an identification. Now, Joe, I know we spoke about this the other week and you said it would be invading people's privacy. Um, If the FA is saying it, should people take it a bit more seriously and would it happen, do you reckon? What does he mean by identification? Yes, there should be some sort of credibility almost. Like you should be responsible for your actions, but I don't, they can't push it too far is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically saying uh, that at the moment uh, they are able to completely avoid any personal responsibility. And so what he's basically saying is call the people out uh, and like highlight them and remove them from the platforms and to know who and to know who the identification of the person is. Yeah, definitely. There should be some some sort of way to to hold someone accountable. And what? Yeah. 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 It's the way that they do it, the the way that they go around it, that all certain if it's a good decision or a bad one. Yeah, because I did mention to uh, you last week, somebody said uh, to put the passport in as um, on the social media platforms, but I don't think you agreed with that, Joe, did you? I, I don't... Passports is putting your address in. It puts your address at... I think, like, your date of birth. Your date of birth, no, that's obvious. Your your job and stuff can be gleaned from your passport as a number. Um, I think it does breach some um, privacy uh, regulations. But, yeah. There does need to be some sort of identification and um, sort of discouragement from posting negativity on social media. Yeah. Uh, now, Alex, going to Wales now, and Ryan Giggs is not involved in the Wales upcoming fixtures in the international camp. Will he be a big loss? Of course, he is the manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Like, he's... He seems like one of the managers that influences their players more than most managers and just like gives them all the heart to, to play like better than the opposition. But 
Um, I think they'll they'll probably have a replacement to come in and, and do the same job as him. But yeah, it will be a, a very big miss for them. And obviously, he won't be able to implement his tactics while they're on the pitch and probably just have to um, do it in training and stuff. So, Why yeah, isn't uh, he involved? Uh, it doesn't say. It just says that he's mutually... The finance that he's mutually agreed that Ryan Giggs won't be included in those fixtures. We don't know why, uh, but Robert Page will take over uh, for the three games. That is Belgium, Mexico and Czech Republic. Um, the Belgium one, he will be missed, won't he, Alex? Because I presume Wales will put down a defensive mark on the game. Yeah, it's a, the kind of match that you need someone to give you that great determination for and uh, we we beat them in the uh, oh, I say we um, Wales beat them in the in the Euros. I think it was twenty sixteen. That was yep. ages Quite ago. Finals, yeah. So um, yesterday, the reason Giggs isn't available is was because he's been arrested. Is it? Oh. He was arrested under suspicion of assaulting his girlfriend in November. Ah, wow. there it is, folks. So we, we didn't get to, told on the post, but Joe done some brilliant research there and he's got why he's actually out. His bail has been extended to the 1st of May, so he can be out by May. So he'll be there for the Euros yeah. for Wales. Um, staying with uh, international managerial news now and uh, Hege Reiser, who did take over um, from Phil Neville as an interim manager, uh, has, is part of the Team GB women's uh, team as the head coach for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, of course, she did play herself uh, and now she's, she is the assistant manager at the England camp for the Lionesses with, uh, I think it's um, Serena Weigman coming in as the head coach, uh, both from the USA, I think. I'm not sure if Hege Reyes is from Norway, actually. Um, but yeah, she's taken over for the Team GB women's team, which is good. Now, uh, some exciting news for Manchester United fans uh, with Darren Fletcher named as United Technical Director. But the most important thing is, and everybody wants to know, that uh, John John Murtoff becoming the first ever football director, football director at Manchester United. Now, I've heard this week, Alex, that United in this department are 10 years behind every single other club. Bayern Munich have one, Barcelona have one, Real Madrid have one, City have one. We have one. Yeah, you have one. Uh, Liverpool have one. A ton of clubs have them. So it's taken United this long, but will it be worth it in the end? Yeah, Everton have developed so much like with their, with their signing since we've got Marcel Branzi, the technical director. So it, it needed to happen for Man United. And it's just a bit weird how taking them this long too but I think they will start to develop their transfers like how they do them uh, pretty quickly yeah um, Joe what do you think uh, because this will take some uh, of the football inside of things which United don't United fans don't want Ed Woodward to be a part of that will make him go to more of the business side which he's brilliant at anyway but do you reckon this is vital for United to go forwards with the recruitment and development of the squad in the future Yes, I, I think it'll um, push him more towards the business side of things and it'll take him away from what pretty much everything to do with the football. And I think that that is... I, I think that is a positive thing. Um, yeah, and I think 
it, it's a good way for a club to expand. And I know you're you're a huge club anyway, but it's more modern now to have a technical and a football director. And I think it will yeah. increase the potential you have as a club to progress. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exciting times for United. But also a bit of a downfall with Edison Cavani's dad coming out this week and saying there's a 60% chance that of Edison Cavani coming to South America, which is over half. Um, he'll likely to go to Boca Juniors, I've heard this week. Um, it'll be a big miss for United, but do we think he's going to go? I think give him at least one more year because he's been, although he's not been starting that much from Man United, he's been um, so vital coming off the bench, getting a, a few goals uh, for them. So I can't really see from a United point of view why they'd let him go. But from a Cavani, from Cavani's point of view, like you, he'd probably get much more like constant football. So yeah, I can understand why. Yeah, Joe, do you agree with Alex? He wouldn't get he wouldn't he would get played more at Boca Juniors in South America than he would at United. I think he'd get played more, but whether it's the right career move, I can't say because I think European football is always going to be where the money and where the opportunities are. So if he went if he came to Europe or stayed in Europe, he'd be getting paid more and he'd be more likely to progress and win trophies, which is what everyone wants at the end of the day. They want to win trophies and they want to get better. Yep. Um, one second, sorry. Um, so this has been... Uh, so it's been one year since uh, we've been behind closed doors with no fans in the stadiums. Do you reckon it's had a massive impact on the football? We mentioned Sheffield United before and how well they were with the fans. But do you reckon it sort of feels... We've got used to it now, but... Do you reckon when fans do come back into stadiums, it'll help the teams a lot more? It's a bit of a stupid question. But... Um, I can't really say, because obviously we have no, uh, not much experience of them being back yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think in terms of keeping the football normal, even without fans, I think they've done pretty well, because everything's the same, except there's, there's no fans, so... Yeah. I think it will massively um, benefit clubs like Liverpool, Sheffield, but Sheffield won't be in Premier anymore, probably. We'll benefit from it. Everton will benefit from it. It's the teams like City, arguably United, but not, not as much as City, that are going to feel it a lot more because they're the what City and United want need to be doing right now is winning every game possible to try and get in well, to try and stay and try and stay ahead uh, in the title race. And when there's so many teams that have just increased in quality so much more because of the fans, I think it's going to be tougher. Um, but I think you have played both of your games against Liverpool already, haven't you? Yep, we have. Yeah, so you're not going to feel that. And um, Wait, uh, uh... No, I, I think it will benefit everyone's game, Whatever, yeah. but I think some teams will benefit from it more than others. Yeah, it will be good for the lower leagues as well because, of, of course, their national league as well, League Two, League One, they're losing some money due to the fans, and we've seen some clubs uh, not exist anymore due to what has happened. And um, so, hopefully, they can come back. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the future. Uh, going on some women's football now, Champions League with Manchester City winning 5-0 against Fiorentina. It's an 8-0 aggregate, uh, which is insane. 
Uh, Chelsea women won 3-1 against Atletico uh, in midweek as well in the Champions League. Um, and it was International Women's Day on Monday, and I believe it started two days before. Um, how vital do you think... The, I know we'll focus more on the sport and football sides of things, um, but do you reckon that day helps a lot as well in the footballing world, would you say, Alex? What, the International Women's Day? Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it should do, but I, I, even on my Everton account, I posted something um, about Everton women's winning against Birmingham and, and the amount of messages I had to delete because of people commenting on my, my post, like derogatory terms about women and everything. It's, I, I can't see why it was happening because I don't know. I don't th- still don't think football fans have accepted that women's football is growing at the at the rate it is and the amount of respect that we need to give it at this point. Um, so, although although they have, are having these days like International Women's Day, I think it definitely deserves more respect from probably from a male point of view in in football and even some females. Um, you see the passing comment about women's football from them. So, yeah. Well, do you agree with Alex? Uh, do you agree? Agree? Uh, do you agree with Alex, Joe? Yeah, I think that I think International Women's Day will help, um, and and I think it'll encourage more, particularly women, to get involved with sport because they'll realise more is happening within the world of women's sport. Um, but to be honest, I think. Once it develops a bigger following in the women of the world, I think it will expand within men and males because there's not really that sort of hype around it that there is around men's football. And I think when more people start watching it, that'll raise the awareness of it. So it's literally just everyone pushing the message that's going to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, It also helps in England as well because of how far they went, of course, in the World Cup in 2019 uh, and how far they've come ever since with the WSL uh, being formed as well. Um, But I also do do think representation is important for a lot of people. And I think for young girls over the last couple of years if you go 20 years ago 30 years ago maybe you wouldn't have seen like your high class like really good football women football players that you see now so for me I think it's a lot more important now that these are getting shown and being shown on tv so that young girls who are sitting on the uh, sofa can go and say I can be that I can do that so why can't I just go and make a career out of it which they can do um but yeah I think it is very important that we have these certain days and that we do focus on what's happening. Um, but yeah, going on to staying with women's football now, sorry. And Frank Kirby, who of course has been at Chelsea for a long time, has signed a contract extension to keep her at Chelsea to the summer of 2023. She has been really good this season for Chelsea, uh, getting a lot of assists and some goals as well. Now going to the men's game with oh, Alex, would you do the honour, sorry, of reading out the player, manager and the goal of the month for us? So the the player of the month for February was, uh, with some controversy, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, um, 
who you could you can argue performance wise he's probably deserved it, but I know a lot of people wanted um, a certain Jesse Lingard to uh, to to win it. Um, Manager of the month for February was Pep Guardiola. I think we all predicted that. And then goal of the month was Bruno Fernandes for his goal against Everton. Yep, of course, Guardiola and Gundogan do go back to back uh, with the manager and player month award, player of the month awards. I'm trying to think, was there any other decent goal of the month? You said Mateta, didn't you, Alex? Yeah, Lowton. Martinio. Um, yeah. But it was a good finish, but yeah, other things maybe come into play. Um, but yeah, yeah um, I'm just going to name these Champions League ties off very quickly uh, and you just give me the team who you're going to win, not the score. Hear me, Alex? Not the score. All right? Yeah. All right, okay. So the first game is Real Madrid versus Atalanta. Of course, Real Madrid winning 1-0. Alex, who are you going for? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Joe? Real Man City versus Mönchengladbach. City 2-0 up. Oh, wait. Yeah, never mind. Uh, Manchester City. City. I was going to say okay. these ties are already done. Okay. Uh, Bayern versus Lazio. Bayern have a 4-1 Bayern lead. Bayern, Munchen. Joe? Bayern. And Chelsea, arguably the best, most competitive tie, you could say. Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. 1-0 to Chelsea so far with that Giroud overhead kick. Atletico Madrid. I'm going to go with Chelsea again. Oh, controversy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are our thoughts for the Champions League games coming up. So it is Freddo Spreado time. Now, Freddo Spreado. have you got the tally for us from last week? Yes. So last week, the scores were drum roll, please. Where, where's the drum roll? I just did it. it was pathetic. No, it was pathetic. I can't hear any of that. Right. Um, Alex has got two points from this week. Yes. Dan has got one point from yes. this week. I have got zero points yes. from this week. Yes. Sorry, I mean seven. Uh, and we'll crack <laughs> on with it. Uh, Joe, do you know uh, the games that we got points in? Did you add the Liverpool one on that I mentioned the other week? Where I said, yeah. All right. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, so, yeah, does... so two, yeah, two, one. What did I get on? Week. Huh? What did I get the, the, the things right on? This week you got... Chelsea Everton. Oh, get in. West Brom. Uh, I only got two. Yeah, that's it. So which game did I get right? Was it the Brighton? Hey, no. Well, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea yeah. Everton, West Brom. Dan, you yeah. got Brighton Leicester. Brighton Leicester. Yes. And what All did right. you get, Joe? Um, all of them. Burnley, Sheffield United, Villa, Brighton, West Brom, Liverpool. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. And then the City United game. Did you actually? I'm just on it. Did you actually? Huh? Did you actually? No, I got zero points. (laughs) Just to clarify. Uh, Right, so we're going to do our score predictions now. Match week 28. First game is today on Friday. 
the 12th of March, sorry, uh, is eight o'clock kickoff St. James's Park, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. We'll go Alex, Joe, me. Alex, score prediction. Uh, one nil to Aston Villa. I'm going to say 2-1 Aston Villa. I think it's going to be 2-0 Aston Villa. Awesome. The next game is Saturday's first game, Leeds United versus Chelsea, half 12 at Ellen Road. 3-1 to Chelsea. No, no, no. 3, 3, 2-0, 2-0, 2-0. I'm going to say... I'm going to go with Alex, 2-0, Chelsea. Uh, I think it will be quite an open game. Do you? I do indeed. I'm going to go 2-1, Chelsea. With Kurt Zuma at the back. Yeah. Next game, Crystal, Crystal Palace. Palace versus West Brom. As Joe said. Nil-nil. 1-0 Crystal Palace, I reckon. Palace. I was Palace. Gonna, oh, see, I was going to go one of them. I was going to say 1-0, but it looks like it's got 0-0 written all over. I'm going to go 0-0. Next game, Everton versus Burnley. Half five, Goodison Alex. 1-1. One, one. We are shocking at Goodison Park. And Two, Burnley. One, Burnley, Burnley. I'm going to go 1-0 Burnley. Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like playing Burnley. Fulham versus Manchester City. Brexit FC. Craven Cottage. Alex. Brexit FC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see uh, in in lockdown one of their fans flew a plane that said White Lives Matter, Burnley FC. Uh, right, Alex. Wait, I need to say my yeah, full score. Prediction. Yeah, that's what I was Three saying. Three nil to Manchester City. Joe. Four one, Manchester City. It's going to be a tight one. But I think City, as they always do, dominate. I'm going to go 3-1 City. I was going to say 4-1, but I'm going to go 3-1. Actually, no, no, no. no. I'm going to go 3-0 City. Paul Martin going to score, even though they've scored in the last couple of games. Anyway, we move. Now, going on to the Sunday games. Southampton versus Brighton. You can all watch this on BBC One. 12 o'clock, Alex. 1-0 to Brighton and Hove Albion. No, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1. To Brighton. Uh, Do I sound better like this? No. Like this? Yeah, that's good. Hello. I'm going to say 2-0 Southampton. Flipping heck. I don't know if I don't know if Southampton will get over the 5-2 loss. I know they did win against Sheffield United 2-0 last weekend, but... Brighton did lose 2-1 as well. Um, I'm going to go 2-all. I think this will be a 2-all game. 2-all. Next game, Leicester City versus Sheffield United. 2 o'clock at the King Power, Alex. 1-0 to Leicester. Not to Sheffield? No, no, thank you. I'm okay. 
That's why is that going to be the result? Yeah. No. I'm looking to the future. It's going to be 1 0 to Sheffield. Ooh. I'm going to go 1 0 to Leicester. Same as you, Alex, isn't it? Yeah, I saw you yeah. copy me that You guys yeah. are just copycats. Right, well, next game. <laughs> next game, North London Derby. <laughs> I like to be original. Arsenal versus Spurs. Half four. Big game. Emirates. Alex. I'm going to go 2-0 Spurs. Just feels like a Spurs game. Well, it is a Spurs game. Um, not sure why I said that. 3-1 Spurs. No, actually, 1-0 Spurs. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. And they'll sit back and get on the break. Next game. Weird kickoff time for a Sunday, but it is 7-15. Manchester United versus West Ham. Alex. 1-1. Wow. Roger, roger. Um, 3-1 to West Ham. No, Man United. Uh, Alex, I was just laughing at your score prediction. Um, I Why think you were going to say the same. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> because I think we're going to win this one. We, of course, we did beat them one nil in the FA Cup. So could we see a game like that? I do not know, but I do think it will be a two nil Manchester United win with no Jesse Lingard. People have to remember that. Next game is yeah. on Monday, Monday night football. It is Wolves versus Liverpool. Just Big like game last season, not as much this season, but it is eight o'clock at Molyneux. Alex, watch your score prediction two for the last game. Nil. To Liverpool. That's 2 0 to Liverpool. 2 0. Sorry, can you repeat that? I didn't quite get it the first or the second time. 2 0 Liverpool. Ah, okay. 2 0 Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, 3 0 Liverpool. We backed them last week to beat Fulham and they, they lost, so I'm not sure why we're backing them again. But gonna... if it works and they lose, it'd be really funny. I'm going to go one all. <laughs> One all, and that is all the games done for match week twenty eight of the Fredo Spreado score predictions. Runs off the tongue quite nicely. That uh, I believe who is top? Sorry, Joe. Is it still Dan? I thought. Let me add it up real quick. Quick match. Right, who do you think's top? I think it's a draw between me and Dan. I did. I think that as well. I think no, 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 Dan's no, no, no. top. I was going to say by one Me point. and Alex are drawing. Wow. Oh. By how much are you behind me by? One in it. One. One. Yeah, I thought it was one. You're on four. Me and Alex are on three. Come on. Yeah, we've got ages to go. We've got ages to go. <laughs> Can we see the tide turn in this match week? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, that is it from I all... I think we will. We'll wait and see. That's Joe's going from... at seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's it from me this week. That's a bye from me. And me. And me. Thanks for watching slash listening.